Today, we're bringing you an episode of Tech Titans. David Singleton, CTO of Stripe, joins us in this episode to share his best advice on how he cultivated a strong hybrid work culture. You're listening to Joel Beasley, Tech Titans. Do you have any ideas? And this is, again, it's pretty, it's pretty far out there. So how do we get... I get to talk to great leaders like you, right? And we talk about these operating principles. And how do we get those to like elementary or middle school kids? Like, how do we get those concepts earlier into our culture and society? So it's a really great question. Um, It's actually, I mean, it's been very fun for me seeing my daughter, um, who's six. So she's uh, in kindergarten um, and about to go into first grade. Um, at school and seeing, so certainly the experience of school, and she goes to school in San Francisco, um, but the the experience of school that she's having compared to what I had as a kid is very different. There is a huge amount of kind of affirmation to the kids that that they can learn. Um, at this the, Like that growth mindset thing I mentioned, um, that's something I've thought about for years. I was actually pretty blown away that on the first couple of weeks of school, my daughter came home and told me what the growth mindset was. Um, I, maybe her school is, is unique in that regard, but that's something I think all school kids like should know. Um, and uh, the, the Don't public think school? We, uh, she is not. She's at a private school, but um, I the, the public school on my block um, where uh, we have neighbors, friends, and I've gone in and, and, and helped with a few of their events do exactly the same thing, like same materials that, that my daughter's school uh, uses. So um, that's awesome. I do think it is a very important uh, thing to, to emphasize when folks are setting out on the learning journey that everyone has. I love it because, you know, I'm not there yet. I just have what happened to me 32 years ago. <laughs> and that seems pretty, pretty, I, there just wasn't any conversation about it. I mean, there it was just here's what here's the basics that we know in math. Here's the basics that we know in science. G- good luck, right? You know, right. Uh, and the art teacher who said, "Oh, that that picture's terrible, so you're never going to be an artist." <laughs> I left art and then went into like the uh, like the drama club thing because it was more more interesting. To be honest with you, like I had to do uh, like a monologue. I was really really shy. And so I figured, okay, if I go over there and they force me to do a monologue or something uh, that I would do, yeah, that would help me on my growth. And it, it That's did, cool. I guess. I actually had a very similar experience. Um, I had a particular teacher, um, one of my languages teachers, um, and she noticed, I guess, that I was a bit shy about, mostly about speaking in a foreign language, to be clear. I don't know that I was particularly shy in English, but she made me go to um, the kind of like speech and drama club. Made is a strong word, but strongly encouraged. And that actually has been a very formative experience for me because the ability to speak uh, with very little preparation was something we practiced there. The ability to act and kind of like have a bit of confidence in uh, in yourself. I have found quite important in both like as a manager, how I um, you know, just work with people in a one-on-one setting, but also being confident enough to get out and talk to a big team and uh, answer questions that might be pretty tough questions um, off the cuff. Um, and again, just like we were talking about with art or science or math, whatever, um, it is something where practice really helps. And uh, and it certainly is sort of 
help me do what I do today. Yeah, I noticed when like I did like 50 talks last year in person. And then since wow. the COVID stuff, I haven't been doing talks. And I I remember like, you know, look, three years back, I had done like virtually no talks in person, like one or two. And uh, looking at once you get into that routine of like going on the stage and going to the different city and then speaking, and you get com- you get so incredibly comfortable with, with getting to talk to complete large audiences of strangers. And I think the thing that's helped me most or the thing that built my confidence from being so shy and quiet is I, I put myself through or I, or I found myself in difficult situations in life. And those, those were opportunities to get to know who I am. And so I just became really confident in like who I am as an individual and knowing myself and knowing that sometimes I'm up and sometimes I'm down or sometimes I go through these patterns where I'm more interested in these cer- certain topics. And, you know, there was times getting to know myself where I tried to fight that be like, no, I'm just going to be this one thing. I'm just going to go a mile deep. And then there's times where I realized, you know, there's this balance I have to achieve within myself. And so when I step back and look at life, I'm this continuous journey of getting to know myself and understand myself that allows me to interact with other people in a more fluid sense. Yeah, that's, that's really awesome. I, people often ask me what my management style is. Um, and in, I was probably first asked this like 15 years ago and I tried to answer the question literally. I was like, well, I do this and this and this. Um, and that's, that was all true, but if people ask me that today, the answer I give is adaptive. I know that doesn't sound very interesting, but it's true. Like I, I really, over time, just as you described, spent time introspecting on what is the what is the right way to engage and and mirror my own energy and my own passions in, in all the different ways. So, um, yeah, great observation. Yeah, so introspection has provided you a lot of benefit in your experience. It, it certainly has, and it was not something that came naturally. Um, I think, uh, so I, I grew up in Ireland, um, for, uh, it wasn't a particularly introspective culture. Um, I did a lot of the stuff we were talking about, you know, speech and drama stuff, which never really invites you to look into yourself. It's more kind of looking outwards. Uh, but through the first maybe five years of being a manager in particular, I realized I'm encouraging folks that I work with to introspect. I should do more of that myself. And it's, it's been very valuable. Yeah, you know, I find that too. I find that sometimes I'll hear myself talking and I'm saying, am I talking to this person or am I talking to myself? Because like the advice that's applicable to them is the same thing that maybe I should be working on. It's not all the time, but sometimes you just, the, that that sleepy process that's in the back of your mind that's running autonomously will kick up and say, hey, this is a hook. This is one of those moments where you need to actually implement that advice in your own life. Right. Well, right now I get asked a lot. So you mentioned you haven't done a lot of um, talks since COVID and like our regular schedule has kind of um, changed up from that as well. But I spent quite a lot of time talking with other CTOs recently. And I guess we've spent a lot of time talking about how all of our various different companies are responding to COVID. Um, and at, at Stripe, you know, all the stuff that I, I just talked about, about uh, you know, really paying attention to how we're working has, has really worked very strongly for us. So we have been, uh, we, we invested last year um, uh, a tremendous amount in setting up um, a remote hub. So um, we had been building offices uh, as hubs for Stripe product development around the world for um, another, I don't know, six to nine months before that. Um, 
So today, our engineering offices, if we're not all working from home in the environment, are at San Francisco, Seattle, Dublin, Singapore as hubs around the world. And then we've got some smaller offices across the US and internationally. Um, remote engineering has been a big part of the culture at Stripe since the early days. Um, and I think we first came to that because there were just people that were particularly talented that we wanted to bring to Stripe and they were not in the Bay Area. Um, and so some very early engineering hires were remotes. And we, we did a lot in the in the culture to make that work well. So for instance, the document-based culture I talked about earlier, to some extent, came about to help folks who are not physically in the room be able to follow along and be part of a discussion. So we also, when Stripes have a discussion, maybe in the corridor or um, in a one-on-one setting, we'll tend to uh, exercise what we call email transparency. So we'll actually send a note about that to the team mailing list so that folks who are not physically co-present and can follow along. So there was a lot in our culture already. Um, exactly a year ago, so it was May last year, we decided to start treating our remote um, population um, just like we do a hub office that we were trying to stand up. Because there was a lot of work that we did um, to get those off the ground. So in particular, we would appoint a site lead, um, we would make sure that folks in the leadership team were traveling there a lot to help you know, share information and make sure that there was good connectivity uh, with the team and the rest of the company. We would also do events with the local community, um, which obviously was both to let folks know Stripe is here and we can help you use Stripe, but also for hiring purposes as well. Um, and in retrospect, it seems kind of obvious, but it didn't occur to us, to me, um, until a year ago that we should think of remote just as another hub. And so we, we did that a year ago, um, and we appointed a site lead, and we've been really leaning into uh, making remote uh, even more successful at Stripe. And it's been, I think, very successful for us. So um, over the past year, we have three times as many remote uh, Stripes as we had a year ago. Um, it's now 22% of our engineers that are remote, which means that other than um, San Francisco, it is our kind of biggest office, if you think of it that way. Um, and those same things I talked about turned out to be super valuable for this, uh, this population of Stripes. Um, having a site lead who can actually go talk to people um, and understand what's working well and what's not working so well, connect the patterns, see the themes, build the systems that help um, has, has been tremendously valuable. And some things that have come out of that include um, we, we now have really good guidelines for what AV equipment you should use. Um, we have a bunch of norms now around um, team Slack channels. So most team Slack channels now have a, a social channel alongside the, the main work channel um, where folks can connect as human beings and, and stay in touch with, with how each other are doing. Um, we also have, um, we've kind of learned from our remotes that not every meeting needs to be a meeting. <laughs> you know, you can work in a document at the same time and make a tremendous amount of progress um, when you're collaborating and you're maybe talking in, in, in a Slack channel, or actually working on a, on a document together. So that's been really valuable for us in, uh, in really making remote work great stride. It's been extremely valuable for us as we pivoted uh, the whole company uh, for working from home uh, in the current COVID environment. So really a, a tremendous number of the tools and systems that we had set up because of the, having the remote hub um, have, have been extremely valuable there. Um, 
And this culture of like talking to people and seeing what's working well and not working so well has been has been pretty remarkable. So we've been doing weekly pulse surveys since um, everyone uh, went remote at Stripe. Um, and the data that we hear back from folks is actually quite different to what I might have expected before we kick this all off. Um, so we survey on things like, how would you rate your connectedness to your team? Um, and how would you, you rate your productivity um, in your current environment? And right away, so early March, when we all went to, to, to working from home, um, the initial results were quite surprising. So the initial results for connectedness to the team were actually the majority of people felt either about as connected as they did before or more connected. Um, and that has just been monotonically improving over time. So it's now the case that the significant majority of folks at Stripe feel more connected to their teams in this environment where folks are working from home uh, than they did before. I think that's pretty remarkable and it's not what I expected. But there's also a sizable group of folks that, that we work hard to really um, enable and support and we listen very carefully to their feedback um, that feel less connected. And, and there's a lot of work to do still to, to, to have the right, the right setup to, to make this work better. Um, when it comes to productivity, again, right on the very first week that we were doing this, and I, I mean, frankly, I think a year ago, this would have been extremely challenging for Stripe, but because we had gone through the process of really standing up a first-class citizen remote hub and then taking those patterns and applying it to the rest of the org, um, we find that right out of the gate, the majority of people were either more or about the same level of productivity, salt-reported um, as, as before. And again, we've seen that monotonically increase over time. So it's it's been a great experience over the past year um, in enabling our remotes and growing our, our remote population. And then it has stood us in, in remarkably good stead for, for what's going on right now. For this remote hub thing, did you talk with other CTOs or other CTOs doing that? Have you shared this with them? Yeah. So um, again, uh, uh, we really believe in like learning from others' experience. So before we do anything major like this at Stripe, we'll tend to go out and try to talk to as many other companies as we possibly can who may have seen similar things to us before and try to learn from their experience. Um, before we before we did this, as I mentioned, we did already have a bunch of uh, a relatively large number of remote Stripes. So it wasn't the case of like we were making a decision of are we going to do this at all or not, but we did want to figure out what we could do to make it as effective as possible. So we talked to the uh, to people who were at fully remote companies, um, companies like Automatic, who build WordPress, um, GitLab, which is fully remote, um, and also some earlier stage companies like uh, Coda um, that's fully remote. Oh, I know uh, Coda. Are you kidding? Do you just you just tickled my brain <laughs> in past? I'm sorry to interrupt. I was like, Coda? I used to love them. Yeah, well, they are a fully remote company. And they actually, I think it's pretty valuable for their product because their product is all about helping people collaborate in, the, in those ways. So the point is, like, there are a lot of folks who thought hard about this. And we we tried to both learn from their experience and figure out what would transfer um, well to Stripe. Um, we also talked to companies that were not doing this to understand, like, why were they not doing it and make sure that we didn't feel like we were going to hit any, uh, any rocks in the road. Um, but we we ultimately, of course, decided that we were going to do this. I think some of the most important lessons that we've learned are, um, and, and I think this could be a partic particular interest to um, folks thinking about what they're going to do as COVID restrictions start to relax. We were in a mixed model, right? So a lot of a lot of CTOs I talked to would say, "Hey, it's great if the whole company's remote, 
And it's great if the whole company is kind of office-centric, but in between is, is harder. And it is for sure. Um, but we are obviously working hard to make that work. Um, one of the things that we've noticed is it really is the case that one is the loneliest number. So if you're a single remote uh, engineer or designer or whatever your, your job is, working with um, a team that is primarily based in offices, they may not even all be at the same office, but in offices, then the burden tends to fall on that person to be the, the kind of momentum to shift the way the team works, even with a tremendous amount of organizational support. So we just don't do that. We make sure that um, teams that have um, remote uh, members are at least half remote um, uh, as much as we possibly can. And we've also stood up some, a, a large number, in fact, of entirely remote teams um, so that the, the way that they work is, um, it, it is kind of tuned to the way everyone um, uh, will, will kind of most benefit from. Um, we've also really found that investing in tools and communication norms is important. So I mean, one example of tools, um, one of the things that I heard from someone in another company was, well, we were kind of like really, really worried about um, having lots of remotes because we still depend on all getting together in a room when there's a crisis. So instant response. Um, and we were still doing some of that at Stripe uh, before we, we started our remote hub. Um, but we really put a lot of investment into tooling or um, incident management. So today, if something happens that we need to respond to as an emergency, um, people at Stripe can press one button and it stands up a, uh, a virtual war room. So a set of Slack channels with tools to help with collaboration. Um, and I mean, I don't really know what the counterfactual is. Maybe we would have built that anyway, but we definitely built it because of hearing some of these insights um, and that, and we use it kind of as our primary mechanism for doing these things because of hearing some of those insights. Um, and that's been valuable. Um, and communication norms, um, I mentioned already, like having a doc that you're collaborating in. Um, one of the things that that has been, I think, pretty valuable uh, is, comes from treating the, the remote population as a hub is having uh, leadership Q&As with the team um, where um, we're just trying to create really transparent two-way communication. Um, that is something that we started doing over Zoom. So, I mean, if 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 I would visit an office, I would live my home office. Typically, like you know, get everyone together in a room and you know, have a little bit of spiel of what's what's going on right now. But then, you know, answer questions. Um, it turns out you can do that just as effectively over Zoom. Um, you can have a 100-person Zoom meeting. Um, you can shepherd questions in a Slack channel so that everyone's not interrupting each other and kind of agree who's going to go next to ask their question and have a really high bandwidth, large conversation. Um, and so we started doing some of those things for our remotes. Um, and now that the whole company is, is working remote, we've started doing that at a company-wide level. So um, our company Q&A, which uh, John and Patrick, our, our co-founders, run each week, is now really kind of a big um, rallying point and sort of like focal point of the week. I love it. It's probably my favorite meeting of the week. Um, and uh, again, we kind of learned some of those techniques through through making the, the remote group super effective.